Alright, ready? Welcome to Practical Rambling Fathers, Father Brian. And Father Tate. And today we're going into our post-Nicene Church Fathers uh, section, talking about the Church Fathers. Um, yeah, just a Correct. word of... You get busy as a pastor, and so we got behind on some of our... Releasing of that podcast, so we do apologize for that. So, we're going to try to get it back on top of all of this, but, uh, yeah, we've, we've been getting busy, so it's been good. And we thank you for your patience and for your understanding. I know you probably are tired of hearing this, but it's true. Being a new pastor, like Father Brian says, we are busy. But anyways... We're all about busy. I think we're just, we're learning the curve, and the curve's correct. more like a cliff than a curve. Correct. So it's fun. Which and is exciting. Which is which is kind of a good segue. The and Lord's holding us and pulling us and dragging us and carrying us. Through. Correct, correct. Fantastic. And this will be kind of talked about for um, our next section. We're going to talk about the post-Nicene Church. Oh, segue. Because I'm going to talk about John Chrysostom. Okay. So in John Chrysostom, this this was the era of the time where, yes, some church fathers are very hardcore. Like, if you're going to be a good Catholic Christian... This is what it's going to look like. You're going to actually live a life of prayer. You're going to become a monk. And you'll live a life of virtue. Like That was the highest goal to attain. Was this deeper unity with God in prayer. And a life of penance. And so they took Christianity very seriously. When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. like They took it the way, the truth, and life. There was no other option. Like This is... But of course, you know, that's sometimes that could be our plan, but God has different plans for us. So he called so Saint John Chrysostom, he called Saint John Chrysostom out of his monasticism. Saint John Chrysostom would have been super happy if he was, you know, grew up in a cave and just prayed and loved the scriptures. And in fact, that's how he started off. Yeah, that's that's how he started off. Like and you could see from his writings the fruit of his time spent living in a cave as a hermit. Because he writes so beautifully about Scripture, and he was so immersed in it that it flows out so... It, you can't teach that. It's a life steeped of prayer and meditation. And so his nickname that people gave to him was the Golden Throated or the Golden Tongue. Because his beautiful preaching and the words that he gave us today. And one thing I like about what John... What quotes do you have for us? Correct. One thing I like about John Chrysostom is his book 2 on the priesthood. Like he lays it down, and sometimes when I when I get busy with life, um, you're saying, you know, I'm a you know busy pastor. I have to do all these things, and I read his writings. I'm like, darn, am I living up to what God is asking me of my priesthood? So, so this is what John Christensen writes about the interactions. It's him being interviewed by um, Basil about how the Lord loves us. And so he uses the scripture point where the master asks his disciples if he lo- if he loves him. And he writes it this way, Wherefore, when the disciples said, You know, Lord, that I love you, and invoked the beloved one himself as a witness of his love, the Savior, Jesus, did not stop there, but added that, that which was the token of love. For he did not at that time wish to show how much Peter loved him, but how much he himself loved his own church, and he desired to teach Peter and all of us that we should bestow much zeal upon the same. That's why when you notice when Jesus asked Peter, Do you love me? And Peter says, Yes, Lord. What did he say? Feed my sheep. Tend my sheep. It was always command of, If you love me, then you're going to love the bride, which I'm bestowing upon you, the, the church. 
like a, like I love her, which is upon death itself. Mm-hmm. You know, and this call isn't geared just for priests. It's called for marriage life too. In the writing of St. Paul, husbands, you should love your wife as Christ loved his church. This is the ultimate call for manhood, right? Mm-hmm. And wives are called to do the same for their husbands. This is all, we're all participating in this universal call of holiness to love Christ so much that we don't want to offend him, nor his beloved bride, the Catholic Church. Yeah, he has a whole bunch of commentaries and homilies on the different letters of the New Testament. He actually has a commentary on even the Ma- on the Gospel of Matthew. Yeah, um, he has some commentaries um, on the Father. You know, a passage of uh, you know, Father, if it be possible that this be taken from me. He has a commentary on that. Letter to the Hebrews. Galatians. He has, uh, you know, if your enemies. If your enemies hunger, feed him. Um, he actually has something that's really... He's got three homilies on the power of Satan, too. Mm-hmm. These are all on our favorite friend to promote, newadvent.org, to read the Church Fathers. Yeah. And one of the things that... Uh, I'm just close quickly with John Chrysostom is that they understood the balance of Christianity, right? You can't be a Christian without a life of prayer, and you can't be a Christian without falling in love in Christ, but also in His very Word. Like, they go hand in hand. Like, for example, I just read you that quote. He's already been quoting different gospel passages, different books from the Old Testament. It's all there laid out. And so in the same way, when we read these church fathers, it should inspire us to love Scripture. How are we spending time with the Word of God? And do we believe in the power of the Word of God? Right, and then I have good old uh, St. Augustine of Hippo. Uh, And Hippo, uh, of course, is a city in Africa. So eventually he was a bishop over there. But um, he too wanted to be a hermit when he had his conversion. But he was born in 354, so right around the start of the Nicene um, Council. And then... um, then died in 386-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, so, oh, that's his story. Sorry, that's not when he died. He died later than that. Anyways, he was one of the best. Yeah, he died in um, 430. So, Great. anyways, St. Augustine, he was the best of sinners before his conversions, and then he became the best of saints after his conversion. So it could um, happen to you too. Don't use the excuse of I'm not perfect or <laughs> I'm not cut out to become a saint. Well, you should be because you want to get to heaven, don't you? Mm-hmm. The longing of every human heart is heaven. Mm, tragedy. The only true tragedy. I just got done preaching that. The only true tragedy in the world is not to become a saint. It's true. There is some. The only true sadness in the world. There was some French. Oh, that's poem. beautiful. Poet said it. The only true tragedy, no matter what, is that you don't become a saint because you don't fulfill your full potential. But that's what Augustine was struggling with, that restlessness. Right. He so such a great brain. Yeah, so he was trained in rhetoric, so he was really good with language. He was really good at argument. He was really good at languages, not so much uh, foreign languages, but he was really good at Latin particularly, and um, arguing and doing that. And so... But his three big, I mean, he has a whole bunch of contributions, homilies that, you know, just pierce your heart. Um, 
You can find them on that newadvent.org thing. But his three big things um, was uh, the Confessions, called the Confessions, which is his autobiography, mm-hmm. um, which really, uh, some could argue, it, he's the first ever to write an autobiography. Yep. That wasn't a genre. Yep. Um, he's the first one that did that, and so he talks about his life as a sinner. He talks about his life pre-conversion, I should say. Not <laughs> he was a sinner even as he was becoming a saint. Correct. Um, but um, yeah, obviously the Lord went out, uh, and then the confession. So that is his confession. So he confesses his life, and he uh, realizes different movements that the Lord makes in his life, and different moments of conversion, and how the Lord, um, through his mother and his brother, um, you know, bring him to, particularly his mother, Monica, St. Monica, bring him to the con- uh, a conversion with the Holy Spirit. Um, and his big line is, I was searching for you without, but you were within. Correct. So essentially saying, Lord, you, you are beautiful in your creation. You are... Um, you have put together a world that is just magnificent um, in all of its glory and all of its pleasures and all of its all of its ways, and that's where I was searching for you. Um, but then you were within, and so I was searching for you without, but you were within. And we, I see even in myself of that desire of like searching, searching, searching for something to satisfy me, satisfy me without outside of me. But really all it is is um, to simply be still and know that I'm God, right? To know that God is God and I can sit in that and be loved inside of that. And so St. Paul, or St. Paul, St. Augustine wrestles with that. He uh, he searches for God without, comes within. That really fits into our society, wouldn't you say, Father Brian? Because right now it used to be, we talk about conversion of heart, right? People's hearts were hardened, but now it seems to be Due to technology and advances of it, people get information so quick. So my, my spiritual director once said, it's not, we're not looking at intellectual conversion, right? How do we break through um, the sciences? How do we break through the knowledge of this world? Because people are, are, are like St. Augustine, you know, I'm smart enough. I can reason my way through. So why God doesn't really fit in that equation? Because he's unexplainable and right. things could be explained away. So... Right. He uh, he also proposes to the conversation of, like, we need a savior, not a self-help, mm. right? Not a life coach. That's awesome. So, <laughs> essentially, like, life coaches are dumb and stupid and retarded. I'm sorry. That was a personal soap opera. Anyways. Um, We're going to add that out. Yeah, yeah, maybe not. Anyways. We need a savior. We need to be saved from our sins. We can't just have somebody that comes along and says, "Hey, by the way, this here's is a better way of life, and yep. Yep. here's what it is to to be a better human." And these are different goals that you want, and you want to live this way, and yeah. all that is good. I'm not downplaying that, but we need a savior. We need a lord. We need a king yeah. uh, to set us free from the conquerors. Um, we, we have to be accountable. All right, fill up the coffee if you're going to fill up the coffee. Sorry, so it's boosting up. Mm-hmm. Well, because, I mean, it brings up a good point of we're almost circumventing, right? We, we want to know that we are saved. We want to know that someone else validates us so I can show up and have someone else do the work for me. But that's not that's not God's plan for us. Right? Well, I mean, it's a 2-4. We have to play into the plan, but... 
Yeah, and then he has uh, a writing called The City of God, and then he has um, a contribution to the Trinity as a doctrine on the Holy Trinity and and what it is from a philosophical yet um, scriptural base that he adds to the conversation. But, um, yeah. Great. Then we get to my favorite, Jerome. Jerome is kind of funny. He's very brilliant, but if you read some of his biography stuff and people talk about him, he's very hard to get along. He just has a nasty temper. (laughs) But he writes very beautifully. He is in the same mind frame of St. John Chrysostom. The the one thing that's pleasing to St. John Chrysostom in his favor is that he was kind of very eloquent and well-spoken. Jerome, what you see is what you get. And he's not afraid to preach the truth. Uh, For him... He loved that. He pulled himself away. He lived a life of a, of a hermit. So you see a lot of his pictures painted, right? He's at his desk. He's in the cave. He has the skull in front of him. Uh, Memento Mori, remember death, right? Ooh, so, remember your death. And every time we talk about this, people were like, that's morbid. But here's the thing, right? If we don't have the correct perspective, like, our bodies are mortal, right? Society says, no, you're immortal. You become a god, but then... When death comes, we get scared. We do everything we can to kind of, uh, what would you say, delay it. Delay the, the We don't talk about that. Are you kidding me? Yeah, so, no, I mean, it's even the language of our Catholic world, right? Celebration of life. Well, that's great, but whose life are we celebrating, right? It's Jesus. Jesus is. Yeah, Jesus is the life that we celebrate because without his sacrifice, without him saving us, could we say that we have a gift and a shot for heaven? No, he did all of that. So, when Scripture says, it's good for me to go so I can prepare a room for you where my Father's house is, there are many rooms, right? His resurrection and ascension into heaven meant all of this. Right. Okay, I'm going to off my soapbox. We just had our reading the other day, right, of the, <laughs> of the uh, son being brought back for the mother, for the widow. Yep. And that kid still had to die, you know, that son still had to die and that mother still had to die and so um you know a funeral we're we're celebrating a, a life we're celebrating jesus and what he's done for the the deceased um praying for ourselves but <laughs> the resurrection that wasn't a resurrection scene for that for her son that was a resuscitation of life um it wasn't a resurrection and same with jesus's friend lazarus it wasn't a Resurrection, it was a resuscitation of life correct? Um, into the body that's currently there. But the coolest part about the resurrection is death no longer has a sting. Sin no longer has a has power uh, of eternal death um, for mm-hmm. us uh, or death for us. So it's a beautiful thing to know that resurrection, because what's the thing that stops us? What's the f- biggest fear we have? death i am finite i'm going to die okay a life coach isn't going to help that correct jesus absolutely 100 percent does yeah because so that's the deepest longing right that i know that i am safe beyond a doubt regardless of what happens to me and that's that's faith that's faith equivalent to trust i trust that god has that for me in his son jesus that's what the theology often teaches so the first thing right faith seeking understanding right so it's it for example, if a, <coughs> I'm just using the life coach <coughs> example because it's thrown out there. Sorry if you're a life coach. Hey, 
Yes, sorry, but he, but but no. In all honesty, right? It's even the same with psychology. They observe the behavior on the surface level, right? Even, some, yeah, some. And even if you go into therapy, notice that when they ask you to to address your wounds or talk about things, where do you put those wounds? But, right? It's it's hard for people to get healed because when you address those wounds without God, where do you turn? Mm-hmm. Right. So you're just opening this huge wound. That's hurtful, but where do you go? That's why you we have to allow Christ to come in because he says, through my death, I go through these tough memories that you've had and these wounds so I can cure you of all of these. And going back, pulling back to all this conversation, how does it fit with the church, how does it fit with Jerome? He was not afraid. <clears throat> he wrote things and he said things. He's like, all right, guys, I love you too much for you to stray from the truth. Here's what it is. For example, he wrote on the perpetual Virginia Blessed Mary. People were having a hard time believing that, you know, could Mary be truly a perpetually a virgin, you know, because in the scriptures, you know, it said that he had other brothers and sisters, right? So people were were, were, were getting confused of how could how could God become man and be born of a woman? So is Jesus truly human then, or is he truly divine, right? <clears throat> and Jerome says, no, <laughs> we cannot stray away, right? We remember what Christ has taught us. Remember what the church teaches, and here's what the evidence comes from Scripture. Like there was a lot of heresies that happened, and he, and he stood up. He's like, "Nope, this is what it is." Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, and we thank these church fathers for being so brave, right? So this is what he says, right? <clears throat> um, excuse me, if I, if I can find the words, he said, um, "The second turns upon the words firstborn son." Which Jerome argues are, are applicable not only to eldest to sever, but also to only son. And the mention of brothers and sisters whom Jerome asserts to have been children married the wife of Cleophas or Clopas. He appeals to many church writers in support of this view. So he's saying Mary only had one child, and that was Jesus. The other children are from a different Mary. <laughs> and Jesus, and in the language too, right? When they say brothers and sisters, could be interpreted as cousins. But don't stray away from the main point. What's the main objective? Our faith has these things for a reason. Mary was perpetually a virgin to show the world that God's glory continues to shine and we are powerless in front of the infinite wisdom of God. Powerless? Well, not powerless, but meaning like we can't do it on our own. We need His grace. We need a Savior, not a life coach. That's going to be my new line. I like that. I think I stole it from Bishop Barron, but that's okay. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Oh, going back to uh, St. Augustine. Um, we were. But he also talked about, he also went against, and he was, <laughs> for seven years of his life, he was a Manichaeist. Oh, yeah. We got so, Manichaeist is the spiritual world is light and the material world is darkness. Um, and then it also kind of came out of a Gnosticism of, like, secret knowledge, right? If you want to know the biggest, well, I guess not the biggest, but subtle hints of it, Star Wars, right? Star Wars is manichaeist. Um, it's like, uh, spiritual, you know, there's this good and bad, there's this fighting, we don't know who's going to come up on time, blah, 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 um... It's secret knowledge of being a Jedi, or it's secret knowledge oh, of being a called. Sith, or it's like, you've kind of been called, but you're only part of this, you know, Star Wars. Manichaeus. Pretty much it. 
Uh, that's not true. That's that's a heresy. Um, because God's salvation is open to everyone. And we see in the end of Gospel of Matthew, right? Go and proclaim to all nations. Make disciples of all nations. He didn't say, well, first go to the these people, right? No, he said, go make disciples of all nations. Right. Which infers the gift of salvation is an open invitation for many. Right. It's not held to be secret. Well, even if you roll it all the way back to before chapter 12 of Genesis, <clears throat> yeah. God created everything. Mm-hmm. And then he created Adam and Eve. And then he, then everything else happened. And then Adam became a new, or Adam, Noah became a new Adam almost. And then the people of Israel were called out. But it was never to negate the rest of humanity. It was for the sake of the rest of humanity that there is a chosen people, which is now the Catholic Church. The chosen people that bring people to God. Um... Yeah, so I just I wanted to bring that up too because we definitely have that going on in our world too. The spirit of the world is, or the spirit of the soul is good, the body is bad, or whatever version of that. Mm-hmm. And we see or the secret knowledge exactly. And we we see we see a lot of that problem stemming out from example, like, right? This tough to talk about, but broken life in the marriage, right? Because so, for example, sex. Sex is a beautiful thing, but because we don't talk about it, we, we think of sexual desires and emotions are part of the body, so therefore the body is bad, and you don't talk about those deep desires right. at all, right? So what happened? A lot of us kids grew in our generation grew up thinking sex is taboo, you don't talk about it until you get married, and somehow you have this magic knowledge of how sex should work in the family, right? Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't work. That's why we have great um, church fathers who go ahead of us saying, no, we should address these issues, right? Mm-hmm. The Manichaeus and the Pelagianism, all these other things, right? Bring it to the light. And if you don't know, be humble, right? So if you have any family members who are going through any of these things that we just described in a short time here, like pray to St. Augustine. I tell people that all the time. Like I have preachers who say, well, my, my child's this. They grew up super smart. They grew up Catholic. They don't go to church anymore. I said, pray to St. Augustine. Through or St. Monica. Or St. Monica, right? For the intellectual conversion. Wow, she just prayed for a conversion of her son for her entire life. Seven years, dude. Can you imagine that? Then died in foreign lands. And Augustine gets super, obviously, super emotional in his confessions about his mother's death. And his mother, he, she's gonna die in foreign lands. Yep. He's like, I'll bring your body back, yeah. like. Yeah. And his brother's there. I'll bring your body back to our lands so that you can be buried. And she's like, No, how dare you think of those worldly things? You, I, I have my citizenship in heaven. Like that's where I, that's where I'm going. I don't care where my body ends up. Yeah. Don't bring my body on board the ship. Is basically what she said. She had, she wants the. Biggest boss moments, I like to call boss moments, where she looked yeah. at her You were so a millennial. I know, I'm sorry. But the best quote she said to her son was, I really don't know why the Lord is keeping me alive. I pray for your conversion, and look, you became a bishop. And I pray for your brother and your father, look, they converted. So why is the Lord keeping me here? I preach about this on, on St. Monica. Why? She understood the vocation of marriage. Mm-hmm. Marriage is to help bring your husband to heaven and your children to heaven. What a significant woman. She's like, I really fulfilled my vocation. So I don't know why I'm still around. <laughs> I'm Holy smokes. And you can see how St. Augustine gains that strength from his mother and just goes out and preach. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know about you guys. Every time we, I talk about these church fathers and you, you read their stories, it is like uplifting. You're like, oh my gosh, if they could do it. Lord, I pray for that courage to do the same. You know. What else you got, Father Brian? I mean, I don't know. I think that covers it. Yeah, so don't be afraid, guys, to look at these church fathers. Read the writings. You don't have to read from front to back. Just take your time. If there's anything that intrigues you from the church fathers, what does Jerome have to say about virginity and Mary? Or how do people view Jerome? Pick a, pick a book and read, read it slowly. Or Augustine, too. There's no need to rush. The yeah. important point is to pray and read it. Uh, yeah, one last for Augustine. Reading the Confessions, I did the audio book because I don't like reading reading. So, uh, <laughs> I did the audio book, but the Confessions bring me back to a... Uh, yeah painful part of my life because uh, I was training for the half a marathon over in Detroit while reading St. Augustine's Confession. So I clearly picture myself like, all right, totally like every time I listen or hear it, even in the office of readings, I like, I'm like, yeah, I was running on Belle Isle in the Detroit river while this thing was being read to me. I was running my eight mile run or whatever that day around the island into the Detroit river. So. Don't, don't worry, I was a good friend. I was praying for Father Brian. I said, cheer him on in a nice warm location. <laughs> Never again. <laughs> At least you can cross it off your bucket list. Come That's on. True. I did run a half a marathon. I'm good. Okay. Let's just say I was happy you ran it for me. Yes, and, and I have to run it for myself. The best was three years later, my brother and sister-in-law and sister were like, yeah, we're going to run it. You want to run it with me? No, nah, I'll drop you off. <laughs> we're good. Yep, yep. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for, for tuning in. We hope this has been a comical relief for you, but also more importantly, uplifting and very practical tools for you to live uh, your to live all of our faiths. And this is the purpose of our podcast: is to bring you the light of Christ and how to deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ Himself. Um, we ask you to pray for us. We ask you for your prayer, especially as we are new pastors, that we become holy priests, kind of like what Saint John Chrysostom has preached about that we continue to love the church as Christ loved his bride, his church. And please know that we pray for you too as well. We also got, uh, we hit past 4,000 downloads. That's amazing. In a year. And then we also have two downloads from Australia. Woo woo! We, we did it. Aussie, Aussie, oi, oi, oi. Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi. All right, Australians, we'll see you next time. We're, uh, we're at World Youth Day, hopefully in Portugal 2023 is what we're aiming for. Nice. Yeah. We'll see if we go. Anyways. Perfect. Stay holy, my friends. Bye.